Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. Have you ever had somebody in person, online, maybe Facebook, maybe Instagram, reach out to you unsolicited and said something along the lines of, Marissa, I was just tapping into your energy and I can feel that your root chakra is imbalanced. You need to eat more nourishing, nutritious food. (laughs) Has anyone ever experienced this? Whether it was like in a DM, a comment on a post, and all of a sudden you're like receiving this unsolicited energetic guidance channeled messages from somebody that you may not even know. If so, this conversation today is it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. We're going to be talking all about ethics in 
energy medicine. This is something I think personally is skipped over. It's not discussed nearly enough. And because of that, many of us, I've had this experience that I mentioned in our conversation today, but have this experience of feeling violated. Like someone has tapped into our energy, into a private place that we want to feel is protected, that is that is ours and not for other people to be coming into. And so I've brought Heidi Light, who is a counselor, consultant, Reiki master teacher, certified hypnotherapist with a degree in psychology onto the show today. She incorporates intuition and energy medicine practices into her work and has spent many, many years designing individual personal development sessions, group programs for things like intuition, energy medicine, stress management, mental health, and emotional literacy. Her new book is called Ethics in Energy Medicine, and we'll be discussing this as a whole conversation today. It is something I've been really eager to talk about on the podcast and just haven't had the right guest to talk to this about yet. So Heidi was a perfect fit. We're going to be diving into the boundaries, into the guidelines for intuitive and energetic practices. Whether you are somebody who has experienced this as a client or you are a practitioner within the energy realm, either way, I think you're going to find aspects of this conversation that are so helpful, insightful, and may have you reconsider the way we tap into energy. So without further ado, let's start talking with Heidi. Welcome to the show, Heidi. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I am too. So I just love to start by asking you what led you personally into energy medicine and intuitive practices in your life? Oh, wow. So it was kind of less of a leading and something I was really born into. Yeah. I was a medical intuitive by the age of two. That's at least as far back as I can remember. Wow. Two years old. How did you like comprehend that at two years old? You know, it was really weird because it's not like at that age um, that you know that everybody else isn't the same way. True. Mm -hmm. Automatically assume that everybody sees other people in the world the way that you do. Yeah. You know, until you start comparing notes when you're in school and stuff like that and realizing, eh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this. It's like everybody <laughs> is not seeing things the way I'm Yeah. Doing. You're not feeling the way I'm feeling. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you can't see someone's liver? Um, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. very strange being able to uh, see inside people's bodies and understand what's wrong intuitively and know mm-hmm. things about people that they haven't shared and not, and then to realize that not everybody <laughs> Uh, can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had an interesting environment that I grew up in because um, what happens to most of us is I, we're all born intuitive, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then we are exposed to parents or other people in our lives who shut it down. So yeah. they tell us, oh no, you're crazy or mm-hmm. scares me when you talk that way or don't say things like that. Yeah. And then we start to shut it down. And in my case, I never had it shut down. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a metaphysical household where it was commonplace around the dinner table when, you know, we weren't screaming and arguing. Um, we would be talking about past lives and karma and spirits and energy and mm-hmm. um, tarot and all that stuff. 
So I had the opposite experience of most people. I never actually had any boundaries put around it. And so I was blown wide, wide open. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that had to be, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own upbringing in comparison and just like what would have been different if that was so openly discussed. And I was, I was raised in a household with two, I believe like highly sensitive empathic parents, but they didn't realize that and had put up so much armor and boundaries to protect their, their fragile hearts. And so it wasn't, you know, ill-intentioned or anything, but it just was not talked about. And now it's something that we can talk about as a family. We've all kind of like reopened and awakened to it. But what do you think, like the opportunity to talk about that and tap into your skills at, at two, starting at two years old, allowed you then to create up until now? What, what do you think that changed for you? Um, well, I can't, I don't know what it changed per se. I just know, you know, what I ended up becoming mm-hmm. because of that. Um, and a lot of mine too is driven by, um, survival it was using it was a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. um you know if you might have uh, read in my book i just touched briefly on you know what it was like in my household and my father was very unstable Mm -hmm. mentally unbalanced and was messing around with some pretty dark stuff and um a lot of times me tapping into what the source of it was or what the thing was was my way to survive yeah um so you know, it didn't exactly create (laughs) this awesome feeling about it within me. I actually felt really, uh, and the empathy was really hard on me. I mean, I had it to such a degree Mm -hmm. that I would, when I would see what a person's issue was in their body, I would feel it in my body as if it was my own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I spent the first 28 years of my life feeling everyone else's issues in my body, not knowing what I actually felt or thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me really, really sick for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So the impact of it for me, um, I think was different for most people. Like most people go through their lives trying to open it up again to access it again. And I had the opposite experience. I had to learn how to switch it off. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. That's what made me have a healthy, balanced perspective with it. Mm -hmm. Very different. I don't, you know, I don't really... I can't really say like the path my life would have taken if it hadn't right. been that severe. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's, I, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's sometimes we think of like intuition as this like glamorous, sexy process. That's just like fun and light and airy. <laughs> and yeah. the reality of it is, is when you feel like this kind of like, exposed wire, open book, or just like you are a sponge just so much around you constantly. It can, it can, if we don't have the protection methods and awareness or just the skills or tools to be able to like close that down, shut that off every once in a while, it can affect us in so many ways. And so I'm curious first, how, how did the medical intuition, like, I'm so curious, you're like, I can see people's (laughs) liver. I want to know what that felt like in your body, but I also want to understand like how you feel like the hyper awareness of people's energy 
affected you on a medical or physical level as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's all of that. Um, So I felt it to the degree of if the person, if a person was around me, it didn't have to be somebody I knew. It could be a complete stranger. You know, I tell the story of being on a city bus and I would see the people on the sidewalk and I would know exactly what was wrong with them Mm -hmm. and why. Um, And it would hit me so deeply on a physical level that if someone had lung cancer, well, I know what it feels like to have lung cancer. I would feel that Mm -hmm. to the same degree within my own body. Okay. Um, I was kind of like a mirror Mm -hmm. for that other person, but it was an internal mirror. So my own physical body would resonate with whatever was happening with them. And it pretty much almost killed me a couple of times in my Mm. early life. Um, I was so depleted and so overrun with everyone else's issues. Yeah. Um, And what I learned was that if you unconsciously take on other people's issues, Mm -hmm. if you don't consciously remove them from your body properly, they can actually become your own issues. It's like you become the adoptive parent of those issues and Mm -hmm. (laughs) they become Mm -hmm. yours. Um, and so, yeah, that, that part for me had, it had a very direct physical impact on me, a very direct emotional, mental impact, Mm -hmm. um, it very much contributed to my own mental health issues that I struggled with, um, depression, anxiety, you know, and that extreme sensitivity, constant extreme sensitivity limits your life, doesn't it? I mean, I know so many empaths who for so long had to not go to the grocery store and not be around, you know, certain social environments and all that. Yeah. And I'm very happy to say that um, I'm no longer that way. I've figured out, you know, it took me over a decade to figure out how to get to a balanced place with it so I could be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I relate to that a lot with my journey with autoimmune disease and chronic illness and my story journey with, empathy and intuition was the opposite where it was like closed down and then reawakened in like my mid twenties. And all of a sudden, all these things started feeling so big. And like you just said, it was like, okay, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I don't want to go do this. And then like really closing myself off to the world because I felt so overwhelmed. Whereas I used to be like this super social person and just like tons of friends. And then all of a sudden, like this sensitivity felt so like raw and and I felt so exposed. I wanted to to hide. I wanted to protect myself. So, as we open that intuition up and as we like do, cause it's not that I didn't want to open it. I'm grateful for have opening that opened that door and like reawakened to it. But how do we do that in a way that number one allows us to maintain our health and two is responsible. Cause I really want to talk about responsible intuition with you today. Awesome. Yeah. And I love talking about it. That's kind of the number one topic that I find is so important. And especially because, um, you know, there are so many people in the world having that experience that you had of being opened and being overwhelmed by it. And so sensitive to it. And we're actually having that happen en masse, you know, if you're into spiritual stuff or metaphysical stuff, you know, that there's a lot of talk about how we're moving into a new age of consciousness. And with that, Mm -hmm. you know, the veil between the dimensions has gotten thinner and that means we have more access than ever to our mm-hmm. intuitive abilities, mm-hmm. the ability to channel and connect with other um, energies. 
Yeah. And so it's kind of like all those walls that we all have built up are falling away. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm finding, you know, the world as a whole, there's so many people now experiencing empathy and intuition to a degree that is really kind of um, upsetting and how they're experiencing it. And that's in part because we, in this Western world, have really never had a true understanding of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we focus on science, <laughs> we focus on STEM, you know, uh, math, sciences, um, and we really don't talk about the softer esoteric side of what it means to be human. Yeah. And so we are entering into this, you know, new awakened age of intuition with absolutely no information about how to do it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of why I wrote the book is, oh, I see so many people struggling because so many people are opening, you know, I have the benefit of having been through all of this for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I really want to help people walk through this right now because it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the information we can find online is it can be um, conflicting or misleading or not necessarily true. Or I do see a lot of myths and things like that. And, you know, in intuitive information that's out there and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to really get some tools to understand how it works and to manage it. Yeah. So how do we, or what are some of your favorite ways to protect your energy? I I get asked that question a lot on interviews that I'm on. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many ways and each person, you know, a different kind of way is going to work for each person depending on their unique energy. But I'd love to hear your take on ways to protect your energy, either if somebody has felt sensitive their entire life or maybe is just reconnecting to this part of them that, that, you know, was always there, but maybe shut down. How do we, how do we protect ourselves? Well, so I have a little bit of a different take on it. Um, and you might've noticed from my book, I have a little bit of a different take. So I, instead of thinking in terms of protection, I think in terms of managing our energy mm-hmm. and that includes managing our intuitive abilities, neuropathic abilities. It's, that's all our energy self. Yeah. So I think more in terms of managing it well mm-hmm. um, versus protection. Protection is a concept that, pres- like, if you think about what protection is, you're the basis of it is that you're presuming that the things out there are bad. True. And you need to put up, you need to guard against them. Mm-hmm. And in reality, the things that are out there aren't actually bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have a response mechanism to it if we're blown open as an empath or an intuitive. We have a first of all, response mechanism to it that isn't necessarily healthy for us, Mm -hmm. which means it's a mismanaged one. And it is something that we can just manage. Yeah. So for me, it's actually a really pretty simple concept, but I know there's a lot more to it that we can talk about for sure. But if you just kind of reduce it to that um, line of thought, Mm -hmm. then I think all of this becomes a lot easier yeah. We're not in a constant state of like survival of all the like, um, seemingly negative energies that are like, you know, flying at us. And instead you're just, you're, I think stepping into your power and going, I'm just going to manage my energy and all the things I feel they're not all negative or out to get me. So I don't have to be constantly protecting myself and that's no way to live either. So how, what is one way that we can manage our energy? Sure. I'd love to talk about some ways. Um, And one of the biggest ways I talk about, which um, it's not really out there in the literature. So I'd love to talk about it. 
Um, and just an extra note about protection. Protecting yourself actually takes a lot of energy. It mm -hmm. requires a lot of energy from us. It can actually be totally exhausting. Yeah. Whereas if we manage our energy in healthy ways for us, it's actually the opposite. We actually gain energy from it because mm -hmm. we're actually pulling our own energy back into where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of them, actually, one of the ways to manage it is to, you know, if you envisioned your energy field or your aura or even your, um, you know, awareness that you're putting out around you, if you imagine recalling it, calling it back into a space just around you that doesn't take up maybe more than four or five inches around your physical body. Yeah. It's like calling your aura, calling your energy field back in. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the ways that's really um if we're in social environments that's a really good way to kind of not be interacting so heavily with other people's energy fields so if you think about it we're actually all like walking around with an energy field that's about 55 <laughs> feet in diameter really and so when we pass another person in the mall or on the street like we're we're not just passing each other we're we're exchanging energy fields yeah <laughs> um so if you think about it as just calling in your energy field to a more compact state around you mm -hmm. you're not you know taking any of it away you're just reeling it in that's mm -hmm. actually one good way mm -hmm. i love that and it's so i'm a very visual person so yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I love the visual of calling it back in and again i think that also in my representation of that it's also like calling my power back in and, and like saying hey I, you know like i am the authority of this energy and Absolutely. um it feels protective without having to exert the energy, extra energy to protect in a guarded way. Absolutely. Right. So it's actually uh, setting a boundary for yourself, but like you said, in a healthy way, instead yeah. of the, oh, I got to protect myself from bad stuff kind of way, which is mm -hmm. exhausting and not effective. It doesn't generally mm -hmm. work anyway. Yeah. Um, and it kind of sends the energetic message out that says, Hey, you know, I'm vulnerable here. Mm -hmm. I got to put a wall. I'm vulnerable. Mm. Whereas if you're taking charge of your own energy and calling it back mm -hmm. or turning it down if you need to, or just, yeah. you know, going internal instead of external, mm -hmm. um, you know, shifting that focus inside instead of around it, yeah. else, then you're taking charge of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels like I can't be messed with. You can't mess with me. Like, this is my energy. I'm the authority over right. it. And it, it feels, um, it's got nothing to do with you and yours has nothing to do with me. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay in mine and you stay in yours. Yeah. And even if you don't stay in yours, that's okay. I'm going <laughs> to stay in mine. Yeah. You know? So you go do your thing. doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. I love <laughs> I that. Stay in mine. So I love that you, you gave the visual too of like walking through the mall and this energy field that extends 55 feet out and just like this constant exchange of energy. And I know I've um, been on the other end of somebody who wants to tell me how they feel about what's happening in my energy body or give me like a free reading on my energy without asking if I wanted a reading on my energy and it has always felt so yucky and icky for me. So I think that, yes, we're, we're feeling this, um, a lot, uh, as empaths. And when we maybe have our energy kind of pushed out further than right close four or five inches to us, but how do we ethically responsibly respond to those things that we are picking up, um, when it comes to, 
like exchanges like I just explained where that doesn't make me feel good for someone to just kind of like impose what they're feeling in my energy upon me. How do you, um, what's your opinion on that? I have a lot of opinions on that. <laughs> it's like my pet peeve topic actually. Yeah. Because I yeah. feel so strongly about it. And I feel strongly about it because of this little word called consent. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything that we do intuitively, in my opinion, anything that we do intuitively or energetically without the other person that involves another person without that person's permission mm -hmm. is a violation. Yeah. And it's as, to me, it's as equal a violation as a physical violation. Um, and I would love to encourage anyone who has the tendency to just be randomly intuitively open to what's happening with another person, which I used to be, by the way, that's why, why I like to comment on it. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like you to kind of question your reasons for wanting to be open to somebody else's stuff, because mm -hmm. what are your reasons for knowing it if that person hasn't asked you to know it? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really valuable thing for us all to reflect on. It's like, why am I up in somebody else's stuff if they're not asking me to be up in their stuff? Yeah. Um, and what, you know, really self-reflect on what your reasons are mm -hmm. there. We have a bunch of reasons. Um, and it's really, really important to know that um, we have to analyze some of those reasons because not all of them, some of them are ego based and not necessarily good. Mm -hmm. Some of the reasons we're just open to other people's stuff is like me when I was, a kid, I was just blown open and I didn't know how to not be blown open. I didn't know I had a choice about it. I know now we all have a choice about how intuitively and empathically open we are to other people. Mm -hmm. It is a choice we make. A lot of us stay open for different reasons. You know, yeah. we might be, we might feel that that's our way to show love or caring towards someone. Um, it's our way to be needed. It's um, our way to um, gather information about life and the universe that we're curious about, you know, curiosity yeah. can keep us, intuitively and empathically open mm -hmm. want to know stuff mm -hmm. um, but wanting to know stuff can never happen at the expense of violating another person mm -hmm. another person's space mm -hmm. um, again in my all in my opinion <laughs> yeah and, and I'm sure there's so many opinions on this but I align with a lot of what you're saying and I again I've been on the on the end of someone yeah. uh, violating, I think my yeah. kind of privacy and feeling like, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask for you to tap into my energy. And this is actually like a really personal, you know, a little field I have around me that I don't want you in. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I take credit for, or like, I'm part of that because I feel like I opened myself up to it in some sense, in some sense, but also like they, I think it takes two to tango there, right? Like there's, they also read into it and then chose to also act on it. And that's where I think there's probably a lot of questions around empaths and intuitives who are listening and going, well, I just feel this and I just feel this and I get this message or spirit comes to me and tells me to tell so-and-so this message and I can see their past loved one or however their intuition comes through. And it's like so strong and they might feel like, giving the messages to the person that they're picking up on is going to help them or serve them in some way. But where, where is the line there and how do we navigate that? And like, is there a time for sharing any of that or do we just keep it to ourselves or do we work on managing our energy so that we're just not picking all that up? 
I think it, it starts with what you just said at the end there. Mm -hmm. it, it all starts with managing our energy first to make a conscious decision about what we're open to at any given point in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if we, you know, manage our energy in the way of deciding, okay, I'm not going to be intuitively or empathically open to someone else's stuff mm -hmm. unless they've asked me to be, mm -hmm. have their full consent about it. Mm -hmm. it's in a safe and therapeutic setting that we've both agreed upon um, at a time frame we've agreed upon. Um, and in my case now, professionally, that we've also agreed there will be an energy exchange. So I only do it in a paid environment. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the mall, I'm not open to anybody's stuff. When I hang out with a friend, I'm not open to their stuff. I've made a conscious decision to switch that ability off. Unless there's an emergency situation and it's like I have a little caveat or a clause in that intention that I make that says, okay, if there is ever an emergency in which it would be really good for either party to know something that's happening mm -hmm. and to share that information, then I will know it and be mm -hmm. open to it. But if there is no emergency, everyone around me has the right to privacy. Mm -hmm. So do I. I've been on the receiving end of that as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a violation. It feels terrible mm -hmm. for someone to be invading your personal, emotional, physical space, knowing things that you, you have not given them permission to know. Yeah. Um, and so, so with all that, I really do think it all begins and ends there as to what we're open to and what we're allowing ourselves to be open to. And we can, I know a lot of empaths think they can't switch it off. And I used to think that too, but we actually can. Yeah. We just don't know that we can. Mm -hmm. um, I remember a relative asking me cause she like follows everything I'm doing and, and you yeah. know, it's so like, they're just really curious about like being yeah. intuitive and I'm like, right. we all have it. It's not just me, <laughs> but that's another, that's another conversation. Um, and she's like, so can you like read my energy right now? Like, what do you pick? And I'm like, well, I don't just like walk around reading everyone and like looking into everyone's body. It, it is something that I feel like I have to turn on and off or else I'd be having panic attacks all the time. And so I was like, if you want to like go sit in the other room, I can start to tap into that. But no, like as I'm standing in front of you right now, I'm not just like reading into your energy. Right. And I, but I, like you said, I think some people have a hard time understanding that it can be uh, turned on and off or that there's like different levels of intensity of that, that you can open yourself or close yourself to. So yeah. Where do we start to navigate that, learn this, the skill set, I think, of being able to manage our energy in a way where we are on or off? Okay. Um, it's, it actually comes down to a, a really basic concept, and I think it's so simple that we kind of actually miss, miss it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it really just boils down to a simple intention that we make as to whether or not we are switched on intuitively mm -hmm. or remaining to be switched off intuitively. And mm -hmm. I, I make a very important distinction between switching it off and shutting it down. Right. So shutting it down is actually an unhealthy mechanism, mm -hmm. a form of it, shutting down is a version of denial. So we're yeah. denying or rejecting our ability versus we're fully accepting and honoring our ability and understanding it to the best we can. Mm -hmm. Um, and we are consciously choosing the moments in which we are fully within that ability and it is open and available for whatever information it needs to happen in that moment. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm a big fan of 
actually should never happen without consent from another party. Yeah. Um, and should only be in the right environments. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioning too, you know, is there ever a time where we get something where we can share it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way that it's shared needs to be honored as well. So yeah. if stuff still comes through, even though we're deciding to switch off, um, we can, and it's about another person, you know, it's always good practice to go to that person separately, take that person aside, say, you know, I wasn't trying to, but I got this information and, you know, this is, um, I, you know, this is the nature of what I do or whatever, explain it a little bit and then mm -hmm. say, would you like to hear it? Right. Yeah. It's asking permission, asking for consent. And mm -hmm. if the answer is no, you keep it to yourself. Yeah. And honor that that person's wishes. And if the answer is yes, then, you know, there are ways to share as well that are really, really important and, and in keeping with using it responsibly and ethically. And I mean, there's tons of things that are really important to talk about in that. And I don't want to get us off topic, but you know, it includes like information comes to us in a certain way with certain words for a very specific reason. And if we are going to share with somebody, then we have to repeat it, report it verbatim exactly as it was received without changing it, without interpreting it, without translating it, without altering, altering it. Yeah. Because within that process, it happens for very specific reasons in very mm -hmm. specific ways. And so we can actually get in the way of healing. We can get in the way of the whole process by altering anything mm -hmm. that's, you know, in that informational exchange. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, just the way that I interpret a word may be different than the way you interpret the word. So if you use the word, if you heard the word joy that you're intuitively feeling, but then you chose to say the word kindness out loud to me, I may interpret that in a completely different way. So I see the, the use of words as very important so that the person can get what they need out of that or like let that resonate with them and their own unique way. Yeah, it's kind of like, sorry, I, I tell the story sometimes of a student who was, you know, I was teaching her how to do an intuitive reading and she was checking in and telling me what she saw and what she saw, she said, what she saw was, I saw a train on a track. Mm -hmm. And right away, if you say that to anyone, a train on a track, you get a mental image of what that is for you, whatever relevance that is for you and can mean all kinds of things. And when I asked more questions of her, what she actually saw <laughs> was a little boy in his pajamas sitting in his bedroom playing with a toy train on a toy track, mm. which conjures up this totally different connotation. Yeah. It, it, totally different, right? Uh -huh. And if you're going to that person um, looking for information for healing for yourself and she doesn't tell you the part about it's the little boy in the pajamas with her, and just tells you train on a track. Mm -hmm. Hasn't she just taken you to a totally different, totally place different place. Yeah. And what could be a potentially unethical place mm -hmm. because it, by changing or altering or censoring or omitting things, mm -hmm. she took you to a totally different place. So yeah. it's all of it is so important and there's a lot to understand about it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I think we went off topic a little bit. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the people listening who are now going, oh crap, I've been violating people's <laughs> privacy and they're like feeling bad about it or they're like, 
just trying to figure out like how do they reconcile some some of this and start to manage their energy in a way that they're not just like word vomiting and projecting onto all these people um because of course like you can mean you can mean well by all of this it's not ill-intentioned all of the time um not at all in fact you know most of the reasons why we're open is because we care and we want to help you know and and or we're motivated by love or all these good things those are actually the reasons most of the reasons Mm -hmm. why we're intuitively and empathically open when we don't have to be or maybe shouldn't be Mm -hmm. and you know it's you know some of them are ego-based some of them are a desire to be respected or or seen as special or yeah sure there's that there too but a lot of what I've seen over the years is people just purely being totally excited by being able to tap into it and Mm -hmm. not realizing that their excitement is not shared by everyone else right Uh, yeah um and so it's not for bad reasons it's for good reasons but Mm -hmm. within that we still have to honor that there are other people involved (laughs) and with other people involved we have to respect their boundaries Mm -hmm. and their rights and um also to know that it's not our fault. Like I said, it's not like we're taught about intuition. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you're feeling bad about crossing lines, well, that's okay. Just stop doing it today. Now. Yeah. This right. <laughs> you know, here's, here's your sign. <laughs> yeah. This is your sign. We can't mm-hmm. do anything about what's come up until anything before this moment, but mm-hmm. from going forward we can do it differently. Yeah. So this brings up a, I think related, but also separate point that I'm just kind of like circulating in my mind right now, which is like my past, my story, my history and my view of the world. So when I sit down as an intuitive to call in, or if anyone sits down to call in the energy in a consensual setting that is safe and supportive, and there's an exchange of energy and all the things that you outline in your book, which is so helpful. And I'm, you know, there to serve and to to channel for that person, for example, how do we keep our, our story and our stuff out of it? Or do you feel like there is any appropriate place for our stuff to be in there with it? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, so I feel like in the intuitive zone, which is also the channeling zone, I mean, the only difference is that we're, um, is what we tune into. So basically yeah. it's the same skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, when we are in that zone, I purely truly believe that there is no place for our own story Mm -hmm. or our own ego, our own opinion, et cetera. And what I've always taught my students over the years is to, when you're in that zone, train your conscious brain to be at the back of this scenario Mm -hmm. and your intuitive mind is what's forward and what you are focusing on and paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And your conscious mind is, I like to relegate it to the back Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, behind a little short wall. It can look over the wall, but it can't step over the wall. Yeah. You know, give it a job, say your job is to monitor me in this space. And if I stray, if you come forward, you let me know and Mm -hmm. back again, that's your job. Our conscious Mm -hmm. minds like to have a job so that appeases them. Um, But I think it's really, really important 
not to, to, to really set aside everything of ourselves within that space. Um, because yeah, everything from identifying an emotion differently or, or relating anything as simple as a color to what we believe or think that that color represents, yeah. all of that can really interfere with that process. Mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times in the last 40 years and um, 20 years of working with clients professionally and with students. I've seen it mostly in the teaching frame mm-hmm. or um, helping people develop their own intuitive abilities. Yeah. And it is, you know, as simple as stuff like I saw the color purple and instead of saying to your client, I saw the color purple. What they say is, well, you know, Oh, purple is the color of the, the crown chakra. And maybe that means you're opening blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Whoa, no, back the truck up. What purple meant to you is not what purple means to the person on the receiving end. And right. you have to let it rest with whatever the person on the receiving end mm-hmm. feels it relates to you. Mm-hmm. And your own opinion about it in this intuitive zone means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Absolutely zero. Mm-hmm. And, but we have, you know, especially if we care, we have such a tendency to want to try to help people understand what it means or explain it to them or mm-hmm. translate it. And that's absolutely the worst thing we could ever do. Yeah. You know, yeah. relay it verbatim exactly as you received it is how we relay it. And we leave it up to that person to decide what it means to them. Yeah. That's really, really helpful. And um, I hope eye-opening to a lot of people listening as well. And something I think that many of us can can do better, can do better at and just relaying the information. And I love the visual you gave of like just asking your conscious mind to just kind of like be over there <laughs> back there for a little while. And so that you're not allowing as much of like your own personal yeah. like dialogue and story to come in and you're just allowing the information that needs to come through for that person to come through. And to me, it seems like that if you're doing it in that way, that also it would as a result be easier to then, because I'm thinking about after client sessions, if, okay, I just opened myself up to all this information. Now, how do I not carry that as my own? But when you're consciously like separating kind of your stuff and what's coming through through your intuition, then it seems a lot easier. Like you don't even have to, you know, quote, worry so much about carrying it later because you separated it from the get go. And that also goes to your point in the beginning of I'm just managing my energy from the get go versus having to go back and protect and go back and cleanse my energy afterwards. Right. And I love that you brought that point up. I love, love, love that because it's, um, when you just allow the pure flow, the pure intuitive flow of information, and you're not personally involved in the process, you're relegated to the back. Keep in mind, I think people think when you're relegated to the back that your mind doesn't have any running commentary. And that's totally not true. <laughs> it still has a running commentary, but you're just not listening to it. Mm-hmm. You're just focusing on the pure flow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you focus on the pure flow, the information is not coming from you. It's coming through you. Mm-hmm. So you're not a container, you're not a vessel, you're just the phone line. Yeah. And once you deliver the message, it doesn't stay with you. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I would always have to tell my clients, listen, just so you know, anything that I've said to you in this session, I am not going to remember after 24 hours. It's gone from me because it didn't come from me. Mm -hmm. It came through me. 
-hmm. And so it doesn't stay. So like you said, it's like, this is actually the perfect system really because yeah, you don't hold on to anything. Mm -hmm. You're clear at the end of it all. Yeah. All you did was allow that to channel through you into the other person Mm -hmm. with integrity you know, meaning you didn't alter it. If you step, step into that picture and try to translate it or alter it or whatever, that's when it sticks with you because you're using your own experiences, biases, assumptions, and all that to try to do that for the other person. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that and just relay it verbatim as it, as you received it, mm-hmm. then you're not um, personally involving your energy. It's actually the perfect way to manage it. Yeah. Yeah, that just feels so much better to be able to not, yeah, not have to like, I've talked to clients who are like, so worried about having to cleanse after every time they tap into someone's energy. And I think this just kind of like takes that away a bit, um, dissolves some of the fear around this. And I relate a lot to what you said, had a client, you know, a few hours after a call be like, what did you say? Like, I was trying to look back at my notes and that one thing about something. And I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I I do not know. (laughs) It's why I would record all my sessions and like here you go <laughs> yeah won't remember just listen to it <laughs> yeah let's do it as many times as you want and mm. maybe refresh me later when we go for a next session because yeah. we won't have any idea yeah yeah so I also want to talk we've we've t- like kind of painted this picture of like being this channel for intuition but in that the source of it is not us or e- either of us individually but collective consciousness or higher beings or spirit or angels or guides or universe. Like there's many names, I think, but, um, I I do want to just get your thoughts on receiving messages from higher beings as a whole. I believe there's a section in your book about receiving messages from higher beings as well. And just even how to, and again, this might be different for each person, but how to, kind of identify where the source is coming from, if that's important. Mm -hmm. I think it's hugely important. Um, And, you know, there are different schools of thought out there. I've talked to other medical intuitive trainers who are, they don't talk about discernment at all. They just talk about trust, trust, trust. Everything's good. Everything's from a higher source. And I, I am not of that belief. And my experiences in the last you know, 40 years, especially growing up, being surrounded by ones that were energies that were not benevolent, mm-hmm. um, really opened my eyes to everything that's possible, everything that's out there. And of course, I see them as well. So I know not everything's good. And I do know a lot of people, have, I, I would call it a mistaken assumption, a lot of people who just open up and mm-hmm. just open and allow anything to talk to them are just assuming that what talks to them has your best interests at heart or the best interests of the person you're working with at heart. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily true. So I think it is really super important to make a very, very clear intention about what we're connecting into. If we do that, I always want to help people by making the distinction between opening up to the intuitive mind versus picking an, a being or an entity to channel. Yeah. And to me, those are two very different things. They use exactly our same intuitive skill set, 
um, but it's two different things. So you can open up to the, think of it as like the intuitive mind or the higher intuitive um, field of potentiality. I think a lot of people like Deepak call it the field of potentiality and things like that. So it's, it's like all the information in the whole cosmos is also contained in a level of our mind. And if we go just a step above our conscious mind, we enter into our intuitive mind where we have access to all of that. Mm -hmm. And all we need to do to access that is to just shift our focus from our daily waking mind to our intuitive space. And all of that will come through us if we want it to, if we want to. So the difference between that, then I call that using our intuition versus Mm -hmm. channeling is picking a being from somewhere within that higher conscious realm Mm -hmm. to come and talk to talk with us or through us. And I do think it's super important to make sure that the ones you're connecting into have your highest good as their, and the highest good of all concerned as their primary Mm -hmm. goal and motivation and focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that always ensures the best information, the best experience and outcome. Yeah. What's well, going to actually be helpful or f- of the highest good for you to know, see, understand today. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really helpful. And, um, I never thought about it in that specific sense, but, uh, more unconsciously, I've always been declaring that in, before I call an energy, I always say for the highest good and only that for the highest good and kind of like this, just like assertive declaration within myself, kind of like the assertive declaration of like calling back in your, your energy field too. That's just like, Nope, you're coming back here. And it's just so simple yet. We pass it by. We don't think about it. Uh, even though it is so simple. Yeah. It's kind of like fine tuning. Like we're a radio frequency, which we actually are Mm -hmm. (laughs) all a certain vibratory signature or frequency. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like fine tuning our frequency and, um, if you think of channeling or intuition, it's like a um, radio receiver that we are. So we, we find to it and we line up with what we want to receive. Yeah. So we can receive from anywhere in the intuitive field or mind, mm-hmm. or we can receive from, you know, an angel or an ascended master or a spirit mm-hmm. animal or a spirit guide. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I think it's super uber important to, like you said, just like calling our energy and you, you define it as narrowly as you can mm-hmm. when you're talking to another being. Um, yeah, that is there only for your highest good and the highest good of all concern. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. And I would just love to open the floor back up to you once again, in case there's anything that you feel like we didn't get to, that's important for the listeners to know about everything we've been discussing. Thanks. Yeah, this has been great. Um, I always come back to, you know, every conversation I've had in the last 40 years about this has always been about respecting other people's boundaries, respecting other people's needs, Mm -hmm. um, being clear on the process. There are tons of things we can learn about the process that we may not already know. Even if we think we know it, there's always more to know. And, and I am always amazed at even how many, um, professional psychics and intuitives actually still really don't even understand the intuitive process. They just do what they do. (laughs) And I'm a big fan of actually understanding the process so that you can properly define it and narrow it the way that is respectful to yourself and to other people. Yeah. 
And of course, I always come from that place because I had so many experiences of lines being crossed and violated. And I did that myself too, because I didn't know any better. Nobody, right. 40 years ago, nobody was talking about this stuff. The word empathy did not exist in our <laughs> vocabulary, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I want, I really would love, I guess, in finale for people to know, you know, we are experiencing a mass awakening. Mm -hmm. And if you're opening to your intuitive abilities, you're not alone. So many people are opening to them. Mm -hmm. And it's super, super important to learn about them and how to manage them. Um, I think we, part of why we're seeing such a rise in mental health issues is because when these abilities aren't managed, mm -hmm. they really can spin us out of, out of a harmonious balanced place and, and they can exacerbate you know, existing stresses and conditions, and they really can contribute to poor health, mm -hmm. um, you know, emotional and mental and physical. Yeah. So I think it's super, super important to, if we're going to use it, to learn as much as we can about it. Absolutely. That last part um, just really touched me on a heart level about mental health as well, because I've lost two brothers now and both struggled with depression, mental health issues, one with addiction. And I truly believe that part of that was feeling so sensitive uh, to the world and not knowing or understanding how to manage this energy. And that's part of what fuels me to be able to manage my energy and to be able to teach that or have people like you on the podcast to be able to help all of us manage this energy so that it doesn't turn into an extra stressor in our life. And instead of something that's so empowering and, and truly does feel like a gift versus a curse. Absolutely. And I'm so sorry about your loss. And yeah, if there's anything we can do about it, that's what I want to do too. Mm -hmm. And I so relate. I mean, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I actually became an alcoholic by the time I was 18 because I needed a way to try to shut it off, mm -hmm. try to shut it down to dim it. Mm -hmm. And obviously it didn't, it doesn't work long-term. It only yeah. works very, very short-term. And then of course yeah. all these other problems too, but I totally get it. I mean, mm -hmm. we are, we do already have w more than enough stress in our lives. And now with this yeah. awakening, we're also experiencing this, ad these additional things that we have no framework of understanding for in our society. And mm -hmm. so that was part of me writing the book is I want to help give that framework yeah. so that we don't have to go through that. We don't have to go there. Yeah. Well, thank you. These resources are amazing. I'm planning to use them in my own practice and with my clients as well and the business coaching side of things because I just, it's such a wonderful tool and you're a gift. So thank you so much. And again, thank you for your time today. How can listeners find your book or learn more about you, Heidi? Uh, so my book's available on uh, Penguin Random House. You can pick a retailer or through Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, I always suggest, you know, your local bookstore too. They can always order it for you. And I have uh, three websites. So my main site is HeidiLight.com. And if you like the conversations in the books and more, you know, I'm also a counselor by trade. I have been for 20 years. So I also talk a lot about psychology and um, personal growth and transformation. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I have all those kinds of conversations on my blog. It's a blog and resource center and community. And it's wisdomhouselearning.com. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a cool little social movement that revolves around authenticity um, as a path to positive social change. And the website is getrealforrealchange.com. I love that. I encourage everyone to check all three of those out or the one that's intuitively calling them to gain more resources. I think that uh, in one of the main points I'm taking away from today is that there, there's more to learn. There's more to understand. Uh, and so, you know, it's up to us to, to reach out and to find those resources and to be able to equip ourselves with the ethical ethics and the, the principles to be able to manage our energy and, if we are in a serving healer coach role, how to be able to do that in a really beautiful, safe and supportive way. So thank so you awesome. again. Thank you so much for letting me talk about something that's near and dear to my heart too. Yeah. And, Appreciate yeah. you so much. Thank you. You too, Sarah.